This morning I want to bring something uh, to church that I've never brought to church before. It's something I wish I'd always had as a kid and never received. And uh, we'd had a bunch of children, I was going to bring them up here, but I was still a little bit wondering what they would think of this. This is a Christmas present that I wish I'd received. This is actually somebody else's. I still haven't received one. What is it? It's a BB gun, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's interesting, thanks Steve Barr for loaning me his. He got this when he was about eight or nine years old, I think. Uh, and the basic idea is it's an air gun, so you, you get things kind of pumped up inside here, you know, and then when you release that, then it shoots. Now, we're not going to shoot anything in here today, but I want you to think about this for a minute. And think about uh, my disappointment. Uh, is it a dangerous gift? Yes. Is it as dangerous as a lot of other guns? No. It's comparatively less dangerous than them. But for a child, it could be a dangerous thing because they're not always careful about what they do with one of these things. And my story is this. When I was a young boy, I really wanted one of these very badly. I have an older brother, five years older. He got one of these when he was maybe eight or nine years old. And dealt with it very responsibly, never had any problem with it. Every once in a while, I'd get a chance to shoot one shot, you know, under certain conditions. And uh, long for the day that it would be my turn to get a beat again. I have an older cousin named Bill, who's only one year older than me, and a bunch of other cousins. In fact, nine of us got together every holiday at Grandma's house. There were four daughters that she had, and each of them had two or three kids. So we'd all gather together every holiday, and Christmas we'd all open a ton of presents at the same time. So you know everything that everybody else got. And so it came the year that my cousin Bill, a year older than me, turned about eight or nine. He got a BB gun. And everybody's excited. All the guys you know, are just so excited. We got a BB gun to play with today. And we all run down immediately into Grandma's basement where they set up a little target. And in about two minutes' time, my cousin Bill had shot my cousin Steve in the stomach. Now, how that happened, I don't know. It just happened like that fast. And Steve went running upstairs, wailing loudly, you know, because it hurt a lot. Fortunately, it didn't break the skin, but, man, it stung a lot. So he ran upstairs, and that sent all the moms and grandma into complete tizzy. I mean, it was, it was like, awful. And uh, so all of us, you know, being called up the stairs and dragged out, you know, to, to some place by our ears to give us this stern talking to in this lecture, the gun was taken away. Nobody fired another shot the rest of the day. And the upshot of it all is I never got a BB gun at all. Because my mom said, it is too dangerous for a boy to have a gun like that. Well, she'd already given my brother one. She'd already seen my cousins have one and everything. And at the end of the line, I'm the youngest of all those boys. No, nope, you're not going to get one. So I ended up with that disappointment. I noticed... Uh, how painful that was. It was you know, very sad for me. It was very tragic for me to never get that. And as a nine-year-old, it was really difficult to understand that for a while. But eventually, you know, I came to appreciate the fact my mom's trying to take care of me. She's trying to protect me. She says, I love you too much to give you something like that. And I've noticed that through the years, God has done the same thing to me sometimes. Has he done that to you? As he said to you, you know, I know what you're asking for. I know what you think you need, but I'm going to say no to that. I'm not going to give you that. And only later could I appreciate that God was saying that, I love you too much to give you what you're asking for. And children today, uh, 
many of them will probably have some disappointment, maybe something that they feel is lacking in what they received on Christmas Day, and maybe they'll be learning some of these same lessons. You know, that's not always best to get everything you ask for. Sometimes somebody wiser than you makes those choices for you. And we're all in a place where we know that God makes choices for us as well. Well, the whole subject of BB Guns came up because of our movie for today. We've been going through Christmas classic movies. And today's classic movie is called A Christmas Story. And it stars Ralphie. Some of you have probably seen this movie many times. And Ralphie is played by Peter Billingsley. And his ultimate gift desire is a BB gun, a Red Rider especially. And he's so excited about it that the whole movie kind of centers around this. His dream kind of spills out one day when his mom asks what he wants for Christmas. Before he knows, he said it. And she's horrified by it. She says, you'll shoot your eye out if I give you one of those. Well, he goes to school and the teacher's asking, what do you want for Christmas? And he writes down in there, you know, I want a BB gun. And his teacher gives him a C plus on the score for that paper and says, you'll shoot your eye out if you get one of those. Ultimately, he comes to Santa Claus, sits on Santa Claus's lap, and he asks him what he wants. He says, I want a BB gun. And Santa Claus, true to form, says, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. You know, don't ask for something like that. And then the time comes, truth uh, of the moment, whether he receives one or not. So we're going to watch a little bit of video clip this morning. And this is when it finally comes true. It'll come on just. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty neat stuff. I remember a lot of spy stuff coming through, little gadgets, and you thought, man, this is just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the most special gift you have ever been given? Was it an expensive gift? Was it something that really cost a lot of money for maybe your parents or someone else? Or was it a handmade gift that somebody. Uh, gave to you and you thought, man, this is this is like so much time, so much energy, so much care was given that this is very meaningful. I'm going to hold on to this for the rest of my life. Was it a gift that so surprised you that you kind of just sat there stunned? You know, like, wow, I don't even know how to receive something like this. Well, gift giving for Christmas began at a very early time. In fact, the first Christmas story, wasn't it? first Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, is when gifts were first given because the wise men came and presented their gifts to him. And so we're going to read from that passage in Matthew 2, starting with verse 1. If you want to follow in your Bible, or you can uh, see it here on the screen. And this is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will, thank you, uh, be my shepherd the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You know, that was a lie. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star 
that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their gifts, their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold, incense, myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Who were these wise men? Well, there's been a lot of speculation. And a lot of extra-biblical things have been said that probably need to be con uh, uh, that confusion cleared up a little bit because people have ideas of what the wise men were like, where they appeared, what they did, and the whole nine yards. And a lot of things is not what the Bible has actually told us. We don't know a lot about them. They were probably fairly wealthy people because they traveled great distances at their own expense in order to be there. Uh, they... They were not kings. There's no word in the Bible that says these guys are kings, even though we sing about we three kings of Orient are and everything. Uh, a lot of confusion there. Uh, they were probably astronomers, uh, astrologers, uh, people that spent a lot of time looking at the heavens, the stars, the planets, and trying to figure out the movement and what, what some of that might mean or what it might say about the universe. And they were also very learned that they had discovered and read a lot of ancient books or scrolls of different cultures, including the Old Testament that the Jews had, the Hebrew Old Testament. Um, there's another fact that people say, well, there were three of them. Well, we don't know that there were three, but there were three gifts. So people have deduced from that. There must have been three wise men, one for each of them, but there could have been scores of wise men that traveled together. A whole caravan went. And all of them worshipped the new king together. The wise men were very wise. They had seen something that no one else noticed. This new star that had appeared. And it, it caused them to have such uh, hope, such admiration for this new king born in some place in, the, in the, the direction of Israel that they followed this star. They kept following him. What kind of a star was it? We don't even know. It was a good enough star that they saw it in the heavens and then they could follow it even to a specific point on earth. So something uh, very unusual, something probably miraculous that God caused at that time. And it woke them up to a reality that they didn't have before. And this reality was so convincing, so convicting, that they surrendered probably months of time in order to, to seek out this child and to worship him. They did not appear in the nativity that normally they are in our creches or other nativity sets. They were not there when Jesus was still in the feeding trough. They arrived sometime later. And the reason we know that is that when Herod found out that a new king had been born, he had all of the boys in Bethlehem from two years old down killed. And that says to us, the child is older. The child is maybe up to two years old, maybe a year, a year and a half. Jesus is has been around for a while, and they're now in a house. It says that they came and they found the child and his mother in the house, and there they presented their gifts to him. Did they ride on camels or donkeys? Did they go on foot? We don't know. So many things we don't know, and I want you to, to be accurate in what you think about this Christmas story and who is there. And I like this picture in particular because Jesus is a toddler. That's much more accurate than most of the pictures we have and for them to arrive and to give their gifts to him because of this new thing that God had stirred up in the heavens. 
warned by a, an angel, do not go back to Herod. Herod only had harm for Jesus, so they did. And that same angel then warned Joseph and Mary that Herod meant harm to this child, and they needed to flee immediately to Egypt. And these very gifts that had been presented to them probably gave them the financial wherewithal to make such a journey of at least 60 or 70 miles just to the edge of, of Egypt, where Herod was not in control, but probably more like 100 or 200 miles deep into Egypt where they could not be harmed and they would be safe until Herod had died. When Herod died, then they moved back to Israel. They ended up in a little place called Nazareth. And that was another scriptural fulfilled because the prophets had said he will be called a Nazarene. Uh, he went to Egypt. That was in the prophecy. He came back and he ended up in Nazareth. I asked you earlier, what is the best gift you've ever received? Was it something you longed for? Something that totally caught you by surprise? Was it an expensive gift? Was it a homemade gift that somebody had to invest a lot of time and energy into? What was it that made that gift so special to you? And I hope that you always remember that somebody loved you enough that they gave you that. that they thought, this is what they want. This is what I want to give them as an expression of my love. And obviously, we've received even better than gifts than that from God himself. The second question is very important this morning, and that is, what is the best gift you've ever given? What is the best thing you've ever done for someone else? Did you put a lot of time and effort into it? Did it maybe cost a lot, so you had to save up money for it, you had to work extra hard, you had to work extra hours, you had to make sure that it was possible to pay for this thing that you wanted to give to your loved one. Did you put a lot of yourself into that gift? Probably. And it was because you wanted to express your love to them. The wise men were evidently able to give very expensive gifts to Jesus, the newborn king. We don't know how many sacrifices were required of them to be able to give such a gift, but we know they made a very long journey. And they did it because they definitely thought seeing this new king was worth it. It was worth whatever it took to see the new king that God had brought into the world. Any new king who merited a new star in the heavens certainly had the admiration, the respect of these astronomers who spent their lifetime studying the stars. I doubt Joseph and Mary had ever seen anything as nice as the gifts that were given. The wise men went to great lengths to give their gifts. The gifts had a personal cost as well as a monetary cost. We've talked about the wise men. We've talked about their gifts. Are there any applications that we can draw for ourselves? Because we, too, want to give our gifts to Jesus. We, too, want to bring our gifts to Jesus this Christmas. And I just offer a couple of things. One is that we need to be, give the very best we can. I don't know that this was the very best these guys could give, but it was certainly expensive. It was certainly costly. It was certainly something that, that cost them something to bring it to this new king they had never met before. It doesn't matter if we're not as wealthy as someone else. It doesn't matter if we're poor or rich. The monetary value of the gift is not, not the big deal. It's that we give the very best that we can. And Jesus deserves the very best that you or I could muster when we give to him. We also need to think about what is behind the gifts. What is the motivation for the gift? Is it love? Is it um, obligation? Is it duty? Is it, uh, you know, it's a requirement? Or is it because you truly love him? That's the best gift to bring to the Lord. We don't want to give him just because of a requirement. In fact, Jesus 
and God has said throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, you know, I would despise your sacrifice. I don't need your sacrifices if you're going to give them out of that kind of spirit. But if you give them out of gratitude, give them out of love, then it changes the whole gift because the reason is right. The, the motivation is right. We also need to think about the level of sacrifice that is being made that is behind our gifts. Gifts easily given with no cost to us matter little to God. But when God sees that we have to strive and we have to work and we have to plan and we have to sweat and we have to save in order to give to Him, or we sacrifice certain things that maybe we wanted for ourselves in order to give better things to God, that gives the right impression to God. We do this because we love you and we're willing to deny something for ourselves in order to give something better to you. One final point I want to make this morning is this. I want to leave you with it is this. That the very best gift we can possibly give the Lord is ourselves. It's not about all the things we could come up with. You know, if we got really wealthy and we gave a million dollars to God, we'd say that, that was the best gift God ever got. Or maybe I'll never top that again. God would still say, what I really want is you. What I really want is your heart. What I want is your life. I want to have that relationship with you. And through Jesus Christ, it's been made possible for each of us to have a relationship with God. The best gift is our time and our energy and our passions and our gifts. The best gift is our heart. When I was back in uh, college, I had the privilege of singing in a couple of groups. One was the, the kind of the concert choir of that school, Milligan College. But there was a smaller group that only sang at Christmas time, and they were called the Madrigals. Maybe you've heard of Madrigal Dinners, where uh, they dress up in the period costume, you know, the kind of the Renaissance, and, and uh, they sing these beautiful old songs uh, about Christmas. Some of them I never heard of before until I got in the group. It's such a privilege to do that because the college would open up about nine nights where they'd have thousands of people come in from around the area of East Tennessee, and they would sit down for this meal, and they would have this like kind of a king's courtroom, and we would all come in all dressed up. The only bad thing was the guys had to wear these really short outfits with tights. And, uh, man, I hated that part. <laughs> that was not comfortable. <laughs> I was like, this is really weird. This is weirding me out that we have to wear these things. <laughs> You've done that. It's not fun, is it, Tracy? Uh, but then people are so appreciative of the music. The music is just wonderful. And if you're into anything like a, a classical music setup, it's just like a, a high point n night for a lot of people. There was one song that I wanted to bring up this morning that just has stuck with me through the years. And it's been many years since I sang in that group. Uh, over 40 years, right, Jane? Yeah. And uh, there's one song. It's called In the Bleak Midwinter. And we don't sing it in church anymore. Every once in a while you'll hear it on the radio. But the words of it are just so powerful. I'm not going to share all the words, but I want to share a few with you because I, I want you to think of these words of Christina Rossetti and her desire to say this is the essence of Jesus' birth and what he wants back from us. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow in the bleak midwinter long ago. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. 
Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Angels and archangels may have gathered there. Cherubim and seraphim thronged the air, but only his mother in her maiden bliss worshipped the beloved with a kiss. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. I've always had this inner sense that this is right, that this, this is true. What can I really give God? Myself. And he doesn't need anything from me. But what he wants is me. What he wants is you. All the gifts we could come up with, God doesn't really need those gifts. We need to give them, but he doesn't need our gifts. The one thing he said that he wants from us is us. And so today, this Christmas day, I hope that you will find your way to present yourself to God and to say, God, you know, this, this is what Christmas is about. This is what I want to give. I want to give myself. I want to give who I am, everything that I have, I want to give my future to you, and I want to say, God, just use me to your glory. God, enjoy me. Enjoy what I can do with your help uh, to just glorify you and to help others know you. This is true for every child. Uh, we don't have a lot of kids in here, but we have a few young kids. This is true for you, that God wants you. This is true for our teenagers. It's true for, uh, you know... All of the adults, whatever age you may be. You may be at the beginning of those adult years, maybe thinking at the end of the adult years, somewhere in between. But every one of us, what God wants is us. And he deserves us. He's worthy to receive us. And he's made it possible through his son Jesus Christ that we could find our way back to God and present ourselves to him uh, as is a, a willing sacrifice, a living sacrifice to live for God all of our days. So give him all that you are, all that you have, because the gift, best gifts are personal. Best gifts are you. And me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this Christmas day. We have a lot of things, uh, perhaps in our minds and hearts, a lot of things that are pulling us different directions, but help us to take that moment and just realize what you have given us. That you gave yourself in Jesus. And now you're asking that we give ourselves to you. And we do so with joy, with reverence, with uh, sacrifice. And we give out of love because of what you've done for us first. You showed us how to love and now we can love you back. We pray that you receive us and use us to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.